we pray. Indeed, be praise forever to the King of Kings and to you, Heavenly Father, and to you, Holy Spirit. We ask that your Spirit be with us as we prepare to receive your message from Scripture. Allow the distractions of life to be placed aside. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Does everybody have a worship note that needs a worship note? Because the ushers have them in their hands right now, and they're going to come to you if you'd like to have one. Just kind of like, go like this. Here we have some right in front. All right, one. Gary'd like to have one. And how about praise team? Did you sneak in before the worship notes? You did. All right, so here, I'll grab them. Uh, Gary needs one, and so does the worship team. Thank you. Worship team gets here early, and they sneak in without getting these. That's not their problem. It's ours. We've got to get them. Thanks. Thanks, Russell. Appreciate it. So you can see on, uh, on the worship note page as well as on the screens, that's what we're talking about today is uh, the schedule that stole Christmas. We're going through some of those things that kind of steal Christmas for us. And this, is, this really kind of comes out of the uh, passage that Barry read just a little bit ago. It's the passage from Exodus. So today we're taking a look at the hustle and bustle uh, this time of year. Uh, time to get all kinds of stuff done. Actually, Beverly and I were looking at some of the schedules that we have. And some of it has to do with personal life and some of it has to do with church life. And that all gets kind of mixed up and it's like, oh boy. We've got to kind of get some of this stuff in here. About uh, two weeks ago, one of our former members went to the Mayo Clinic, and he had pretty major surgery done on his heart and stuff. He seems to be doing pretty well. That's a lead-in to this Mayo Clinic, and they were doing a, actually a, a uh, study, and it was a holiday stress study. I only have a couple of items with that. It's not on your paper, but it's just, I'll just say it out loud. So when they did that stress study, they figured out that 69% of people are stressed by lack of money at this time, lack of money. So let me give you another one, just quite a little bit over half. 51% say they're, they're stressed by this pressure to give, especially maybe on this last Tuesday. I don't know what that's called, Giving Tuesday or something. And then... Uh, Here's another 69%er. That's the last one I'm going to give you. People are stressed by lack of time, and that's what we want to talk about today. Not just lack of time, but the schedule thing. Now, if I had to ask you, you know, how many people are doing this and raise your hand, uh, I bet we're going to have them going up and down, but I'll just call them out. You don't have to raise your hand. Just do that kind of in your head. Uh, how many of you are attending these Christmas parties or maybe you're giving or hosting a Christmas party or how many of you are going to be traveling over the, these next couple of weeks or trying to meet some like end of year deadlines at work or I was with some folks, Bevan and I were with some folks last night and he said, uh, I'm kind of a little behind, today I'm putting up the decorations, I'll get the decorations up today on the outside or some of us are thinking, oh my goodness, I've still got shopping to do. Let alone the fact that you sit in front of a screen. And now some of us don't even go to stores anymore. You sit in front of a screen. You got your credit card number plugged in. You hit, 
you hit, you know, buy, purchase, and then the next day it comes to your door. Some of us are just stressed out over even that stuff, and it's like, like a way different today. Christmas comes with lots of stuff to do. And the stuff can not only cause stress, but it can, then that can, it can steal our Christmas. And that's what we got here. Some of that stuff just steals our Christmas. And so we get into this, this whole business of how does, what does Scripture have to say to us? How do we figure this stuff out with Scripture? Not just with our own horse sense or common sense. I don't care what you call it. And so we get into this Exodus 18. But before that, let me give you some background. Moses and the children of Israel have been in the wilderness. They, they headed out of Egypt and then been in the wilderness for not too long. So Moses, after, after getting out of that slavery uh, in, in Egypt, they're out in the wilderness. And as it turns out, Moses sees two guys who are fighting. and They're in an in a argument. And so Moses goes to them. And this comes out of... Exodus 2. We're going to look at it a little bit later, but Exodus 2. Moses went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? So that's the question. So who made you, Moses, ruler and judge over us? Because that's the setup for the fact that from Exodus 2 then over to Exodus 18, obviously some history in there, Moses is actually in charge of all of Israel. And he is the one who makes the decisions and all of that stuff. And so now Moses is trying to work through the docket of people who are arguing, bringing lawsuits, and he is in charge of all of that. Now here's that set. That's the setup. Here is now in, eight, uh, in uh, Exodus 18. The next day, Moses took his seat as judge for the people. He said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around from morning till evening? Oh, my goodness. So Moses is in charge of judging everything. There's disputes. You get, if you were in that time, you don't get along, you stand before Moses. But you got to stand in line. You got to get in line. Long lines. And he, Moses is working from morning to evening. And you got to wait in line for this. Let's take a look at some lines here. This is, uh, this is actually on uh, Black Friday, Best Buy. Let's see another one. Okay, wait just a second, Nori. See where that car is. If you look to the left, Beverly is, oh, she's not really. I'm making that up. I'm making that up. And by the way, some of you are thinking, I'm going to tell Beverly. Too bad. I already did it in first service, and I've already apologized. All right? So here we go. Let's, let's take a, uh, if you don't like those other two, people are standing in line at Kohl's. You know why people stand in line? They love good deals. Everybody loves a good deal. Everybody loves a good deal. But some of these people stand in line, and then they get up there, and they figure out, oh, no, they've just run out of that item that they only had 100 of or 10 of or 1,000 of. And people get angry with this. 
But then people were getting angry with Moses. Let's go back to Scripture. People were getting angry with Moses because they wait in line all day, and sometimes it wouldn't come. It just wouldn't happen, come to fruition. It wouldn't happen that he could make a decision. Something had to change. By the way, today, Israel is in that same position of people loving to, to, to sue one another and bring, uh, try to bring decisions against one another. It's actually worse there than it is in the United States. Here's that word. If, if we think this is a litigious society, people suing one another for anything, Israel is, is, is uh, even worse. And so here it is, not just today, but back then. People were, were having all these arguments and really kind of suing, and we'll go before Moses and we'll get this figured out. Here it is, and I want to read it right out of Scripture. When his father-in-law, that's when Moses' father-in-law, saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to see me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, think lawsuit, whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. You know, when, when this time of season comes for us, we can figure that there's going to be stress that comes our way. It can happen, and it's not just about the in-laws, it's about our own families as well. Uh, I don't know if we want to call them fights, but at least arguments erupt in families or at least hard feelings. Feelings get hurt, way hurt, sometimes way deep. And traveling from here to there to try to keep the, 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 the family happy is so stressful. And so Moses gets the question from the father-in-law. It can't be the question for us today, but it's a question from Moses, from the father-in-law. Why are you doing this? And Moses answered, and this is great, Moses immediately becomes defensive. How about you all? And just think about this. When somebody questions you, do you immediately become defensive? Well, Moses did. And he's essentially saying, I am judging all these people, all these people that are lined up, because I'm the only one that's competent enough. Catch that? I'm the only one that's competent enough to judge these people. I alone know God's will, and God put me in charge. If you haven't noticed, father-in-law, you know, Moses is not as good as he thinks he is. He's not as competent as he thinks he is. And by the way, wondering what Moses' father-in-law's name was? Jethro. So Jethro does this. He says this. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people, this is still out of Scripture, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. Catch that. You'll only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And so Moses, by taking all this stuff on himself, everything on himself, is just wearing himself out. And his schedule is out of control. Remember? Early morning, late at night. He's the only one, he thinks, who can do it. And I think there's some things that you and I can learn from this. It's on your paper. 
out-of-control schedules are not good. Read out of Scripture, Exodus 18, verse 17. What you are doing is not good. It might seem obvious. It might be one of those comments that you have. You're saying it under your breath. No, duh. But sometimes it's not obvious what we do and what we do to ourselves. You know, we can wear this busyness as a badge of honor. I'm busy. I'm busy. And how many times has somebody, like, asked you, well, how you doing? And your response, I'm busy. We can, tempt, we can be tempted to think that our busyness is our identity. And we bear, wear that as that badge. And we think, this is that badge, and this is my identity. And sometimes, here's a harder word, sometimes morally we are out of control. And I jump into just a short part of a psalm written by David. Here it is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here it is, right here. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Jason talked about having Sabbath last month. I'm talking about not just Sabbath, but schedule. And some of that is, yeah, lying down wherever, green pastures or wherever. He leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. It's on your paper, and I think this is pretty important, that bullet. It's your third bullet. I think being busy makes us feel important, but it doesn't make us important. Being busy makes us feel important, but it doesn't make us important. Busyness does not increase your value. This out-of-control schedules are, uh, they are counterproductive. So it's out of Scripture again. I keep coming back to that. You and these people who come to you will only wear out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. You're going to be exhausted, says, remember, Jethro to Moses. You can't be productive when you're exhausted. If you want some numbers, you can look it up. You can Google all that stuff in terms of how much productivity is lost when people are exhausted. And it's not just about work. It's about relationships at home or wherever. What do we lose when we're exhausted and we're stretched so thin? You can't work when you're tired all the time. And rest is this, this moral and this physical and, well, it's actually about emotional necessity. And the cost of being fatigued, tired all the time, it is so high. And so Moses had created really kind of a nightmare for himself. This was a nightmare in Exodus 18. And Jethro, a father-in-law, Boy, that's tough being a father-in-law or mother-in-law. Sometimes you've got to say stuff nicely. But he's saying, Moses, share the responsibility. Select men, uh, uh, capable men, 
from all the people, men who fear God and trustworthy men who are not dishonest for gain and appoint them as, as ones who are officials. This comes right out of Scripture. I'm still reading out of Scripture and talking out of Scripture. Appoint them as officials over or thousands and then hundreds and, and tens of people and have them serve as judges for the people at all times. But, okay, bring the difficult cases to you. This is still Jethro talking. And the simple cases, they can decide that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. You know, this advice that Jethro had wasn't rocket science. It's not like, whoa, that's a good one. It's basic management that you and I know we just need to put into practice. The problem wasn't with Moses' schedule. It was with Moses' will. His will. And his inability to share responsibilities with others. And I think Moses loved taking control and having control over everything. He liked being like this voice of God. And if that's you, if that's you, what you will be able to impact in the lives of other people will be severely limited. If you think you have to be in charge of everything and in control of everything, your impact will be severely limited. And your capacity to, to do stuff won't be that big. And the only way to, to multiply your capacity is to share the load. Share the load. We were moving tables and chairs in the uh, fellowship hall before the first service, and one guy, in a little bit of sarcasm, said, you know, this doesn't too bad when we got a bunch of people doing it. But we need to remember that in terms of sharing that. You know, that many hands thing and light the work makes light work. You know, I think the work is too heavy, says Jethro. You can't handle it alone. And if something for us is too heavy, you inevitably will wind up dropping it and you won't be able to function well. In fact, is for like Moses, he didn't do well. Same with us, we won't do well. Back to the psalm. Lord's my shepherd. He makes me to lie down, makes me, makes me. And this is a reminder for us this morning. If you don't stop, you will be stopped. I think sometimes you'll be stopped by getting sick. Sometimes you won't be able to do the stuff very well because you're so fatigued. You will be stopped some way. And so the question for us this morning is, why don't you stop willingly, share with others, walk with others, and get the job done? The, the, the center of the gospel the center of the gospel message is about sharing responsibility. It's about resting. It is really about resting in something. Gospel message, the basic of Jesus, the basic of Christianity, it's about resting. And the resting has to do with it does not all depend on you. Change the pronoun. It doesn't all depend on me. If you can count on someone else and walk with someone else, it works. Let me give you this quote. 
comes out of that Ephesians passage. It's on your paper. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Here it is. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. Three more words. Catch them. Not by works. Not by what you do or I do. Not by works so that no one can boast. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. We don't work out our salvation. We can rest. Catch that. We can rest in it, in that relationship with God. Because there's nothing that we do with that. It is all about what God has done. What God has done. What God has done through a cross, an open tomb, beginning at a cradle. Here's a passage from Isaiah. It's on your paper as well. In repentance and rest. Oh, there it is, in and rest. We did the repentance. We said, we are sinners, and God says, your sins are forgiven. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. By the way, Isaiah was challenging people, uh, but you'd have nothing, none of it. You wouldn't do it. Well, how about you? So since Isaiah brought that up, and he said, uh, you'd have none of it. Well, how about you? You're going to have some rest. You're going to have some shared. You're going to have putting yourself in God's hands. You know, there's a blessing and a warning here. Our salvation, our relationship with God, comes from resting in Jesus. And some people have none of it. I wonder about you and me. You know, I love the nativity scene. We can maybe picture that in our mind here. It's not going to be a picture on the screens. I just love the nativity scene. Jesus born in a manger. This is not a proof text in terms of a hymn verse. It's just a hymn verse, but I love this. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Away in a manger. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. You know, if Jesus can rest, you can too. Rest and share the load. Schedule well. Asleep on the hay. Share the load. And focus on Jesus. That's it for today. Amen.